0: Hi, everybody. Today we are talking to a couple. They're the archers. They're the creators of fearless features and they have fantastic films out. There's one that they're actually finishing up. but The one that I saw that made me reach out to them and they answered me is called The Mind Polluters. It's phenomenal. If you've ever wondered why our children are being attacked and what it's based on broken, yes, evil, yes. But what the heck? Where did this even come from? You need to watch this film because it will arm you with history, data, science, psychology. It's really going to expose the truth as to why these agendas, why these lies are being pushed, pushed, pushed on our kids. It is dark and sinister in motive, but the movie isn't dark and sinister. It's honest, but I don't want you to be creeped out about it. I would honestly say it's probably a PG-13 and up movie. Depending on your kid, I would always always preview first when you're talking about tackling any subject that has to do with the sexualization of children but it really plays into what's going on in our world and we've got to wake up you guys the oversexual oversexualization of our children is it is an epidemic that is absolutely destroying their souls and their minds and this film exposes the mind polluters who's pushing it why are they pushing it what is their reasoning for pushing it where does it really start to know this information is so wise we have to arm ourselves and they do just that in this film again the film is called the mind polluters they have other films out that are just as wonderful I just happen to have that one and they are known as fearless features and this is the archers Thank you guys for joining us again on Strong Christian Female. And as you just heard me introduce Mark and Amber Archer, here they are. Hi, Mark and Amber. I, first of all, I'm so honored you're willing to jump on with me today. I watched Mind Polluters. I was literally like, I know. I was. I can't tell you how many times I paused the film. I, I don't have it in front of me to take notes because I'm actually working on something else for my other project. And And I was just so surprised in a wonderful way. How well the film flowed. Um, it was somewhere between a really good Dayline episode. I love <laughs> Dateline. and 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 a documentary film in the best of ways because you don't lose anyone, and yet there was never any condescension. There was never because that's happened before too. And I don't, I don't, I have a stubborn streak in me. I don't like to be talked down to. Um, you did such a lovely job of. Explaining in a way that was uh honorable really to the to the person watching, because a lot of that I did know, and honestly, a lot of it I didn't. Um, Judith, if I know somebody's listening doesn't know this film, uh, Mind Polluters, it's always linked below. Listeners, you know that. But Judith was amazing. Mm-hmm. I and I don't want to spend the time talking about her, but her exposing the false, perverted. Uh, foundation we we find ourselves uh, just basically using to push so many things in our public schools and even what people don't even realize in films, in media, and what people have grabbed hold to. When you were making this film, I'm curious, number one, did you have a goal and did it change as you film? That sometimes happens with documentaries. Or when you were making it, was there ever a time that you just stopped and said, wow, this is actually more than I expected it to be? Either of those scenarios happened? <laughs> yes. All the above. <laughs> multiple multiple <laughs> times. Yeah.
1: Well, and to, to back up, um, so we had just come off of releasing Inwood Drive, which which was about the local abortionist here in Indiana. Well, he was an abortionist in I- Indiana, lived in Illinois. And we finished the film about his demise. It was a seven-year battle. It was so fascinating. It was on Inwood Drive, a street here in Fort Wayne. And on one side of the street was the abortion clinic. And directly across the street was um, a church. And so there's this battle of evil and good happening. And there's this dividing line, Inwood Drive. So we finished this film and uh, screen it for those All of our donors who helped us make the film and about a week, a week and a half, I think it was about a week and a half later, the abortionist died. So we interviewed him in his abortion clinic. It was the only it was the only full testimony that anyone had ever gotten of this man. And, um, he wouldn't let us bring in a camera, but I whipped out my iPhone, laid it on the table and, and we recorded it. And so a lot of his testimony is in the film. Uh, he dies and his family finds over 2000 fetal remains at his home in his garage and car in Illinois. And so it was everywhere, um, what was going on. So we went back into production to finish that film and wait for the burial of the 2411 because these are real things. These are, these are human lives and to help and to help people see this, this is what this is. I mean, it's totally the Lord orchestrated everything, you know, that we were even, we were the first ones at the scene when they raided his clinic. Um, just the way everything happened. It was, it was really an incredible thing having come off the heels of that, but we had finished it and, uh, put it out and it's on, it's still on Amazon. And, um, so we were just praying next steps like lord where are we going what are we doing and we were watching an episode of global grooming on the blaze on uh, glenn beck's show and i shared it to my personal facebook page and one of our state representatives reached out to me and she's like hey amber um there is a sexual revolution conference happening up here in my area you and mark should think about coming and we had no interest. We're like, yeah, whatever. We're like, why do I want to do that?
2: Not not big fans of conferences generally.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, not generally. And so, but, but we, we went, we were connected with a couple of people. And during that, just the week, week, week and a half before the conference, uh, we made, there were several <clears throat> connections that were made. One of them was with Judith Reisman, who's in the Mind Polluters. And she sent, um, she sent us one of her, one of her papers and Mark spent all weekend going through, I don't know how hundreds of pages.
2: She sent, she sent me close to probably a thousand pages worth of her research. And I (laughs) I zeroed in on one that was the most comprehensive. And I sat for about two and a half days and just read it all the way through.
1: And so, and we kept praying about it and we're like, really, Lord, is this where you're, this is where
0: you're sending us? Is this where we're going? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember praying, please, Lord, send me on this one. I just said, yeah, but you did once and he's going to cash that sucker in every time. (laughs) 20 years ago and you said, please, Lord, send me, oh, that never expires. You're like, yes. Yeah. thanks for that information
1: <laughs> yeah so so we went and we met met many other many other people in this battle of the comprehensive sex ed and the we met people in the battle of social emotional learning and then finding out more about um the per- pornographic library books and finding these people who have been studying these things for years and so being able to weave all of this together into a what is it uh, an hour and a half film, hour forty, hour and forty minute film. I mean, and to help people I understand, feel like it could have
0: gone on for five hours. I like, was, it, could have. it ended. Oh. I'll be honest with with you guys. It ended, and I was like, "Oh, what is more?" To do it like it wasn't. You lost some. You are like, "Is it? Is it almost done? Yeah, is it over yet? Gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah need more minutes. You know." But it just yeah. it wasn't abrupt. But it was more like I. Uh, and and uh, compliments to you. I, I I would have happily let it go on longer. And I say that as a huge compliment, because that isn't always the case when I'm learning about things that are, you know, heavy because it wasn't heavy, dark, it was informative but hopeful. And mm-hmm. yeah. So an hour and a half. There you are. Oh my gosh. There we are. I so so yeah. So, uh,
1: well, you know, every even sitting with Judith, uh her her interview alone was three hours. I, I was mean, about to say and so everybody's interview was at least an hour long. Judith's a little longer. And so you have to learn. Oh, I don't know. Here's the master editor here. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I look at it and go, I don't know how you're doing because, that.
0: Because you're like, I just have to pick something to <laughs> yes. stick to. I mean, I don't mean like the overall story. themes, mm-hmm. but it's like, you almost have to narrow your themes down when you have that much.
1: Mm-hmm. How?
0: And then I have total curiosity, and please forgive me, audience, this is a little bit of a production question. Did you struggle on the, either the length of it, or do we break this down into like six parts, but then there's not not yet a platform for that. You know what I mean? Like, how did you decide, Um, how did you even narrow it down?
2: (laughs) So, well, it, there's always a lot of prayer about Mm -hmm. it because, um, and to be really honest, the, the Lord really gave the, both of us together a lot of years of training in this before we went back in. So I I did feature-length movies when I was in my 20s. And so that's where I learned, you know, doing things on a feature-size scale. And most of that, I did a lot of dramatic films, theatrical films, a lot of documentaries, TV commercials, um, but a lot of corporate Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is basically, you know, four to six minute documentaries is, is all corporate is, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a talking head, it's cutaways, it's graphics. I mean, that's what it is. And we had spent, um, you know, 15 years <laughs> working together <laughs> when, when, when we met, she kind of got drafted into mm-hmm. doing production work with me and we complement each other very well because the things that i knew that i was bad at she's really good at and it allows me to do the stuff that i Mm -hmm. that i am i should be doing um i mean just for example in doing documentaries one of the things that i learned was i know i know the questions to ask but Mm -hmm. i'm not good at asking people the questions because i tend to intimidate people yeah and you know, there's just people that people would rather talk to. So they'd rather yeah. talk to her.
0: I so. so did you mostly then do the camera work and the setup and the lighting and all the more technical yeah. Oh yeah. Stuff? Yeah.
1: We we do all the setup together and mm-hmm. then um I interview and he records.
2: Yeah, I started I started doing my own cinematography. Um so back when when film was on the tail end. So this was the, the mid to late nineties and HD was coming around and I had a cinematographer that I worked with on a lot of stuff and he was my guy and we worked pretty well together. And I saw, I got invited to go see a demo of the one of the prototype Sony HD cameras. And I came back and I told my cinematographer, I said, this is, this is the future. This is where everything's going. HD is it. I'm done shooting film. I, the only thing I ever liked about film was how it looked. Everything else I thought was dumb. It's beautiful. Yeah, but it's heavy. It's expensive. It's temperature sensitive. It's it everything about it. You can only get 11 minutes on a roll. I mean, it's just dumb. And <laughs> um, and he, he was so angry with me because he was a film guy. And he had his film cameras. Mm-hmm. And he basically told me, I don't want to work with you anymore. And so for me, it was, okay, then I'm gonna figure this out. And I mean, I was a videographer, but I didn't know, I I wasn't, a, you know, I didn't really know film lighting, but I had watched him for all those years. And so I just started doing it myself. And so, yeah, when, so when we do our work, I do the cinematography and the editing and then we collaborate on you know the direction and what we're Mm -hmm. going to ask people we don't give people lists of questions
1: never it's just a conversation it's just
2: no ever yeah we Mm -hmm. tell them this is what we want to talk about and then Mm -hmm. you know you get the best stuff when they're not thinking about it Mm -hmm. absolutely uh, true yeah so that's that's how that's that's how we roll basically
0: (laughs) (laughs) two of us (laughs) <laughs> well, I love that because I think there's people listening that are like, oh, I have this talent, whatever this talent is, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you use it for the Lord? Like mm-hmm. and I feel like people who have a passion for something that is concerning to kids or our culture and they and they you know the hard thing is is the world will tell you, you know, build your own platform and crawl up on there and be famous on TikTok or be famous. And, and I, that, that makes me tired. So tired because I've tried that and it's just so much work. I'm like, I'm out of it, but I, I don't want to do that. But I do feel like if God says, Hey, take your skill and use it for me and I'll open doors for you. That's a totally different thing then I'm not saying if God gives you an idea and you, you put it on YouTube, that's bad. But I also think that sometimes we get distracted with how many people are following us or who is looking at us. And I love that what you guys have done is say, this is about honoring the Lord and we're gonna use our skills and give it back to him and say, here you go, Lord, now what? And so so you've made two films. I know you're making your third in this process, how, I, I know we talked before we came, we we started recording that you guys entered into this, just trusting the Lord, literally just saying, Lord, we feel like God's telling us to do this. It's either going to be, you know, at the, at some points you were either self-funding it or just people were just, hand, you know, either funding it little bits at a time. How have you seen God be faithful in that process? Because that can really freak people out. Even if they're like, I really feel like God's calling me to do this. But where's this line of, because you have kids, some people, it's a calculated risk. Some people refuse to take a risk and other people have made mistakes and realized it was their idea, not God's idea. A little too late. (laughs) How, How have you balanced it? First of all, I know you two talk to each other. But how have you balanced that fear of taking a risk for the Lord to speak out against things?
1: Well, you know, we start our mornings in scripture. So Mark and I, um, we used to get up super early. Uh, it was sure. 3, 3.30 and oh, sit and wow. read together. That's how, because we have kids. And, and so in running a business, a lot of our productive work um, is done in the morning And so, but before we start our day, we always start in scripture and praying and asking the Lord. You know where are we going? That's how we started our ministry in 2017. There were just so many things that were were happening in our in the production world, and realizing, you know, it, it was one of those things where the nonprofits weren't weren't wanting to pay for the work that we were able to do, and there was one morning we were praying and I said, you know, I really think the Lord wants us to do movies. And Mark looks and he says, that's funny. You say that I've been having the same thoughts. And we just said, you know what? They're not paying us. We're not getting paid anyway from the people who are hiring us. Then we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. And we've started, we've started each of our films with $0. Um, It's, really intense to rely on, um, small single donations, but you know what those small single donations have, have made it work. And it's, it's such a blessing uh, to not, to not worry and just know, we always look and say, you know what, the Lord didn't bring us as far to let us fail. And without, without a doubt, Every time I I can remember, especially when we were making Inwood Drive about the abortionist and we were so far in debt. Uh, I I, I say we were so far in debt. We were at least $15,000 in debt making this film. And you know that maybe we figured out too late that it was a bad risk Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and (laughs) you know, we yeah. we really honestly, and there were those moments, but I am not kidding. It was one of those, it was one of those moments and we were just praying and, and crying out to the Lord. We're like, we really thought that this was where you wanted us to go. And we were all out with our family. We have three daughters, 13, 10, and four. And, um, we came home. From being out, and uh, I don't even know what we were doing. But getting we, ice cream. We were getting ice cream. <laughs> we came home. Go and away,
2: pain. <laughs> there was
1: there was an <laughs> there was a uh, like a FedEx packet uh, envelope on our doorstep, and when we opened it, there was a check in there for twenty thousand dollars, and we just kind of we we sobbed. I mean, we just sobbed. We, you're like, okay, okay, I guess we're doing this. You know, we're sitting there going, yeah, we're back on. <laughs>
0: so, I know that doesn't happen to everybody. And yet when God is calling you, it can feel so late that he provides, but, mm-hmm. but I love that he's propelling the voices of those who are willing to honor children, like everything mm-hmm. you guys are doing is to, to help children and mm-hmm. you, if the least of these, if you are willing to help the least of these, hypothetically speaking, let's say you did step out and it wasn't the Lord. I believe it was, but let's just pretend it hadn't been. Mm-hmm. I believe that sometimes God's like, I see your heart. You are faithful to me. You are fighting for these kids when everyone else has sat on their hands about this. I will honor you. And here you go. Mm-hmm. So, so first of all, you're sobbing, I'm sure your daughters were like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were. Well, I, I will say
1: what's what's really interesting. And it was it was from that point on that we really learned to trust, to trust the Lord. Wow. Amen. And so, because when those things happen, we know that we're moving too fast and we're in front of his plans. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so that's because, you know, if we would have released it any sooner, we wouldn't have been able to get he wouldn't have died and we wouldn't have been able to get the burial into the film. And so when you look at, when we, when we step back in hind and look, you know, bird's eye view hindsight, and we're going, this is why. So it was really in, it was really in those moments that we really learned to trust the Lord and say, okay, we're moving too fast, or he needs us to go somewhere else. And that's when now we're not afraid We know that he's gonna be there and that he's gonna provide. We just need to either slow down or there's somebody else that we need to speak with. And in fact, that literally just happened today with, we thought we only had two interviews left for dysphoria. And there have been certain things that have happened over the last few weeks. And we're going, oh, this, we knew that, we thought that there was someone else that needed to be in the film and we couldn't figure out who it was. Everything just got put together. (laughs) <laughs> we just figured out who was supposed to be in the film. And so to get all of those pieces connected before, so it, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's awesome to serve the Lord. We have an audience of one. We do whatever he's asking us to do. And, and the rest of it, I, I just pray that people would wake up and see the truth because yeah. that's the Lord is calling us to stand for those, the most
0: vulnerable. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I I want to say this too. <sighs> One one of the things that I think we, we talked about b- before I hit record, sorry, everybody, we had a really great <laughs> conversation before, um, but there was, there's so many things you guys touched on. And I, and I do feel like we're, we're living parallel lives, you know, we're called the different audiences, yeah. Yeah. but we're called to serve the Lord. And mm-hmm. I think some people get caught up. In that detail, because you just nailed it on the head, we serve an audience of one. it doesn't matter that this film is geared towards a secular audience or a Christian audience if we aren't honoring God in the truth that we're speaking, we are not we aren't we aren't performing for him we aren't we aren't doing an audience of one thing if everyone in the crowd clears out and he in his holiness cannot be in your audience because what you have created, he literally can't enter into. We have radically taken a misstep in our lives. So when I see that God has called you to educate those who have a strong Christian faith, I admire that because sometimes that audience is harder
1: because
0: Mm -hmm. it is in my experience, um, how do I put this delicately? My listeners will know <laughs> I'm not often delicate. I'm very honest. And I use myself as an example in God. Are you kidding me? Listen, sister. Like, I mean, you know, like mm. he's taught me a lot of lessons, but our children, we will be judged on what we did or did not do in front of the throne room of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't just mean our You know, nuclear family. Yes, of course, that's the most important. You cannot lose your kids trying to save the world. I totally value all those sayings. But we're being given an opportunity, having been raised, many of us in the 80s and 90s, living through a double shift. Someone pointed this out, a double shift from You know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s were kind of a presentational family. Like, our family's perfect. My kids are perfect. And then shifting into more of a self-esteem. Like, uh, you don't have to be perfect. You should just love yourself. And now into an emotionally driven. It's like a triple. It's weird how we've compressed these movements in our lives. And our kids are kind of suffering the consequences of the culture we've created. So if we don't engage as Christians and say, we're getting off the train, stop it at the next stop, or I'm just going to jump off, but not in a bad way of just saying, guys, we can't just be bystanders anymore. We cannot just ride along in this train that's bound to wreck up ahead. And we cannot make our children collateral damage of the mistakes we've made as a culture. Do you feel like the church has been receptive to what you've done? Or do you, and I know this is probably a complicated answer, but, but what has been the reception from the church of these films? I truly loved, love that you're doing this, but I do recognize you are taking a risk in doing this, even in the community you're speaking to. There it's, it's, um,
1: I would say it's half and half. Uh, there are churches who are deathly afraid to even step into things because, you know, they want to say that it's about politics and, um you know when we finished The Mind Polluters we had two national organizations uh, come after us and tell us that we needed to remove all references to Christ and Christianity from the film
2: Christian organizations These were
1: these were Christian organizations mind you yeah. national what? Christian organizations who said we needed to remove all references of Christ and Christianity at the end of the film because they had an outreach to other denomination uh, like the Muslims and and there was there was another one I don't remember.
2: And let me interject. And mind you, these same organizations wouldn't lift a finger to help us while we were making the film. Right. <laughs> but once but once the film was done, and they saw it, and now they want to take it's, it from and you. they
1: want to capitalize. Uh, on They want to
2: capitalize on it and yeah. take it from you and say now change this and this and give it to me. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing, watching these. <laughs> Christ-centered organizations.
1: And that's why for us, that's why we are 100% donor funded. You know, it's the individual donors who believe in what we're doing that get these projects done because there are other people, you may not have the gifts and talents, but you may have the treasure to help things like this get done and and are willing to be bold to speak truth into this culture and society. So uh, that, that's been really interesting. And the churches i mean that it's where the mind polluters has flourished really the most is the church and especially uh, you know there was a, a group in a church in nebraska and one of the pastors you know he just he sent us a list of things this is what the film is doing and it was amazing to read it and see it and he was so grateful and so thankful and he said these are things that I i couldn't even, I couldn't give a, a, a better sermon on. He said to help people wake up to see the truth. He said, it's a platform for me to jump off of so that I can address these individual issues. And so it was really neat to see, and especially for people to see how the laws are made. And, and, he, and that's what yeah. he said, you know, people, oh.
0: they don't, It'll break their it, heart. They don't
1: understand what's actually happening and how mm-hmm. things are getting made. That's why it's so important for we the people to stand up yeah. and do something because it yeah. takes all of us. All of us have a responsibility,
0: you know. And that's that's a great question to kind of cap off. I know I know we all have lives to live, even though again I I have so many so many questions because this is my wheelhouse and and my passion is is protecting kids all of our passion is obviously that should be a part of it i i would ask this question if someone's on the fence for the very reason you gave well i don't want it to be political or well i'm too busy raising my own kids I, which i which is valid but when there's so many reasons people choose in the church to stay ignorant that's the only other way to put it Um, I don't deep dive on recipes, you know, I have other things to do, but I do when I need to know information about how to make something I want to make, find a recipe I'm looking for versus like, I don't look at a thousand recipes a day. I get it. The reason I set up that simple example is I feel like people feel overwhelmed with information, whether it's on social media or YouTube or whatever, but I tell people, no, don't go just looking for information. Cherry pick <laughs> what you need, and and actually find out what that worldview is telling you, where it originates, and where it's going, so you know who's leading your kids. But when I when I talk to uh, believers, the, the the world has so cleverly disguised moral issues as political issues, and they'll say, "Well, I just don't want to be political." Speaking to those christians what would you say when they push back and say well mark well amber i'm just not really a political person i don't want to get involved
2: mm-hmm.
0: what would you say to those people I,
2: I have a very simple answer for them especially the man is a gross spine gross spine get in the word yeah uh i've heard this argument uh, from people for years well the lord didn't call us to be political no let's you can't you can't show me that in the scriptures anywhere not true. The Lord calls yeah. us to be the, I, for men especially. I break it down and say, "Listen, guys, this is very simple. Okay, you are a man. You understand. Do the right thing. Honor the Lord. Honor your family. Honor your wife. Protect the innocent. If you can remember those things, that'll get you through most of this. You know the overwhelming nature of what we see in the in the news every day. It's we understand we're we're overwhelmed with it every day ourselves because we study this stuff." Mm-hmm. Um, and the, when, but if you can learn to stay focused on here's, you need, you need a, uh, you need a plumb line, right? Guys that are in construction, they understand this. You need a, I need an absolute here. And what, you know, we were talking about the, the different generations, you know, growing up the seventies, eighties, nineties. And I, what I remember the most about the nineties was that was where, we started seeing this relativism come in Well, well, it's me, you know, what's one man's ceilings and other man's floor, you know, and that's if you want to live like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Just, a, I don't want to live like that. That's your truth. That's not my truth. That's a lie. That there's one truth. And as Christians, as Christians, we should know that there's one truth and it's God's word. And so if we call ourselves Christians and we've forgotten that, then before you go into battle and that's the other thing men have forgotten that we're called to battle we as Christians are called to be warriors and that means that means be prepared to fight so you have to you have to equip your mind so you have to know you know you have to understand the battlefield and it's all laid out in in the scriptures so for for men and that's you know speaking to the pastors in the church and they say, you know, especially, you know, we, we were talking to Heidi St. John and she was talking about this very thing. She ran for Congress mm-hmm. and she talked about how many pastors would not allow her to come in and speak. And what it boils down to is money. Mm-hmm. Because they've bought into this false notion of, well, we're not allowed to be political. And she sums it up very well. She said, Oh, so let me see if I can sum this up. You won't allow a Christian who's willing to go to the front of the battle lines and take the arrows from all sides to represent and fight for
1: Christian values Christian
2: values <laughs> in the public square. You won't allow them a platform to speak because of what? Money. Mm-hmm. So who's your God? Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I said once the worst thing that ever happened to churches was they got a 501c3. Mm-hmm
2: yep actually
0: and the government was allowed to say you can't have those people speak in your church anymore or we'll pull your 501 yeah it
2: was actually and and it was actually even more specific than that 501c3 wasn't the problem it was the johnson amendment that became the problem (laughs) that's when they that's when they added that little caveat but you know but but democrats are allowed to go and speak in churches and and give outright campaign speeches all they want but not not conservatives so well
0: it
1: no, no, I was gonna say, and, and just to add to that, you say, you know, what do you say to those people? Uh the thing that the Lord has really laid on my heart, especially as we have traveled the country and been in so many different churches and to see the the church, the the true believers alive and well, people who showed up for the mind polluters, you know, it is absolutely incredible. I can't even describe and and just just for us to remember, we are one body and many parts. The Lord has given us all a job to do. So, you know, if, if you're called to the front line, if you're, if you're called, maybe you're called just to be the ladies who are, you know, the ones in, in the nursery, you know, that's fine. The Lord has called you to that, you know, but, but just remember that we all have a place. We all have a job to do and we have to do it together. Mm-hmm. We have to link arms and do it together. Stop, stop with the, the, the mindless issues that don't matter yeah
2: i had a i had a friend of mine that he he said to me on several occasions and they just had a a child and he would say listen you know we really support you but you know everything that you talk about and talk about in the film i you know it overwhelms me and i don't know what should i be doing (sighs) And I remember I looked at him. He came to our uh, one of our premier screenings, and that's what he asked me. And I looked at him. I said, "You're a father and a husband. That's where you start. Mm-hmm. So you it know, start at home. Start at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you taking care of what the Lord has given you? You need to honor your wife. You need to protect her. You need to protect your children. Protect them from all of this. Provide for them. Start with that. And when you when you when you honor the Lord with that." He will give you more, and you know, don't. There's, a, there's a lot of guys that they'll they'll get overwhelmed, and they'll say, "I need to," you know, "I need to go." You see this a lot with with pastors, a lot of young pastors that they they completely abandon their families because my mission for the Lord is so important, you know, and their families are falling apart, but their church is growing, right? And and that's that's imbalance the other way. So it starts with the. With the fundamentals at home, right? The the Lord has has given us the the basic instructions that, mm-hmm. in in the scriptures. So we start with that. We protect the family, yeah. And then He will show you after that. And sometimes, like Amber said, sometimes that's that's all you can do, and that's all that the Lord gives you yep. for a time.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And then and when we there's have more that He wants you to,
0: well, we mm-hmm. have to be grateful for the little because sometimes the big. Yeah looks cool. That's a yeah. lot of work. And like, you don't know the battles those people have gone through yeah, to like yeah. earn that car. Like, it's so stupid. I just, people yeah. just get you all know, like, well, they just live and I'm like, I don't need a mansion. I don't need a fancy car because some people, I know what they went through and someone gifted them that car. Someone paid for that house. But I also know they're on the front lines. And I also know that they, they have a life that most people would absolutely wilt. And it's not because they are celebrities, you know, they're, you know, people are like condemning them because they're Christians and they actually have money. I'm like, I don't do that because I, God knows their heart. I'll call out a lie if I see it and say, you know, I heard this lie. I don't like to gossip about people. But when I see people who are following the Lord ferociously and in man's eyes, they seem successful. I'm like, I don't want their life. Like, I don't have that call. So I'm not judging the gifts God gave them because. I'm not even going to, I don't, you just don't want to exchange your life out of jealousy. Like why someone once said this, and I've said this before on this podcast, if you are jealous of someone else's call or success, then you don't understand your place in the kingdom. And if we walk around as jealous brothers and sisters of each other, there's so much we can't do for God's kingdom because we're spending Mm -hmm. so much time. Mark and Amber, just from your level of achievement, would you have told, I mean, if people just sit back and go, wow, look at you, you've made movies. Like, it's so stupid how we get, right? <laughs> I bet you're like, you want to do it?
2: Come on yeah. Yeah. You
0: have to be broke and trust yeah. the lord i'm just amen sister yeah. I... most
2: of most of them i'd say let's swap checkbooks for a day
0: please yeah. please can... can we just yeah. do a little bit of exchange i always tell my kids learn from mommy's mistakes or god will teach you some stuff you don't want to like just learn from my mistakes as much as you possibly can because he will if you really want to follow the lord whether you recognize you are being defiant or stubborn and rebellious, you may not even know you're being that way. But if you're true, if he knows your heart is to follow him, he will break you down as much <laughs> as he needs to, to get your attention because he sees that your heart actually wants to follow him. He's like, okay, you're not listening, but I do know you want to follow me. So mm-hmm. here's some lessons. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need more lessons. I just, I will just wait till you tell me what to do. Please don't give me another lesson. I don't. But I think part of the lesson you guys went through was you had to collect all these skills. I think people don't recognize that sometimes God's waiting for you. And it's not because you've done anything wrong to reach a level of maturity, skill set, groundedness in your marriage groundedness in your family again not because you've done it wrong so far but he's got to wait for you just naturally to arrive at a place of health so that he can give you a call that's not going to destroy your marriage destroy mm-hmm. your family take you away from the Lord because you guys have a partnership and a marriage in this and that's really unique because I've actually heard people go I don't know if I could work with my husband or wife <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like- it's gotta be a hard element. So, so I, I fibbed, I said, I had a last, this'll be my last one, but as a married couple, you said you're in the word every morning. That's so key. Is that also how you as a married couple stay connected? Because it's, it's gotta be so stressful to do this. If you're not connected and it seems like you really are both connected to each other.
1: Communication is key. I think that's what so many people miss. Uh, we share an office and he has one side and I have the other and
2: her side is bigger, by the way, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and prettier, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's just, you just have to communicate. There's, we, there's so much that happens during the day and, um, you know, that's, that's, it's the thing people, we don't have secrets in our house. We know everything, history everything it, it, there's there's everything um so there, there's no surprises here <laughs> and
2: i and i i told I, there was a you know a buddy of mine former buddy when uh when we first got married and i knew what a mess his life was he's very very immoral man and we were having some discussion about marriage and he was talking you know bad mouthing his wife and talking about you know this adventure and that adventure that he was doing and don't tell my wife and I remember looking at him I said I don't know how you sleep at night yeah I said let me tell you how Amber and I get along I said I don't keep secrets from my wife I said I have no problem with her being on my computer she can look at my search history she can look at my phone my kids look through my phone all the time i don't keep secrets because i the lord helped purge me of all of that and i said that's that's the first step you you cannot live two separate lives mm-hmm. and and so many so many men they're compromised they've got this secret mm-hmm. addiction the secret life some you know somewhere else Um, and so that's a, that's a huge part of it. And I I know for me as a man, and I've told her, you know, before, before the Lord put us together and broke both of us down and then put us back together as, as Mark and Amber, instead of Amber and Mark, um, you know, the person that I was before I was self-centered, I was just a jerk. And I know I had ruined so many relationships, because I was terrible to work with. Because I thought I knew everything. And I wouldn't apologize for anything that I had ever done. And so back to the question of how do we work together? it The big part of it is we don't take ourselves so seriously. Right. And so <laughs> oh, no. we're able to you know, laugh and
0: pick
1: fun at each other, (laughs) you know, and we
2: can have creative conversations and and go, that's a terrible idea. And the other one go, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, we, when you're in the creative world, you have to be able to have those conversations and not take everything seriously.
0: Yeah. you have to have someone say, can you hear yourself? Or like, you take a minute yeah. because yeah. you just proposed a blue elephant walking them. I'm just going to point that out. Like, and then, and you're like, no, a blue <laughs> right. elephant would be amazing. We do, yeah. We do yeah. that, yeah. And it's going to be like, gonna, you know, whatever <laughs> weird thing we all, because we are creative, right? Creative being mm-hmm. have these yeah. spontaneous bursts of randomness at times. And it can seem like the best mm-hmm. idea until you pass it to someone else. And they're like, huh, yeah. I'm not following this at <laughs> all. So why don't we at least put that on the shelf and think about not doing that?
2: Yeah, you know, let's put a, let's pin, put in put a pin in that. That's our, no, we're that's never our favorite thing. We're just going to
0: put it right over there. <laughs> well, and that's so funny because I it is yeah. as a creative person, there's a value to maturity that that we don't recognize when we're younger. Um Mm-hmm. thus we're not mature that made a lot of sense i sounded like some famous politician i won't <laughs> say um that was my circle you might know what i'm talking about but i was like um
2: but
0: but when we're younger we think every every good idea should be executed <laughs> and that's like
1: Oh, no yeah. keep
0: going <laughs> idea 75 is gonna be your best idea not not one two three or through 74 like wait but we don't know that until we go to someone who's more seasoned or who we admire or a friend who you know or even someone outside our bubble outside our media bubble outside our painting bubble that can go huh you know, and sometimes you don't need feedback from people who don't understand, but other times you really do, because if it doesn't track to the person you're trying to get to watch this thing or listen to this thing or value mm-hmm. this thing, then, mm-hmm. it then you know, I, I, I've i talked to artists um, at different things and they'll say, I'll love, you know, their stained glass or, you know, something very, very hands-on that they've created. And then I'll be drawn to something unique they have sometimes, and they're like, yeah, I make all these other things because they sell. But this is actually what I love to do. And I think that's true of all creative people. There are there are things that are for a very maybe just you and the Lord. Maybe it can literally be a handful of people who get it, who have the same experience, who 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 communicate the same, who love purple the way you love purple. But then there's this broader audience that maybe god is calling us to and we have to shape and mold our skills to fit that so we have to put a pin in it that's for that niche audience that only 20 people are going to appreciate it might be the most favorite thing we ever make someday but like i, I appreciate that because i think sometimes we have to value feedback because God is calling us to the broader audience, not watered down messaging. I know that's not what you were saying. I just want to be clear for the listeners. Like I know Mark was not saying water down your messaging, <laughs> but Mark and Amber. First of all, I want to again say thank you for joining me. I I could talk to you guys all day. I could hang out at your house and bring you lunch, <laughs> ask you questions. You could tell me war stories, <laughs> and and but but more importantly, I just want to say uh, just to cheer you on. And, and ladies in, and gentlemen, there are gentlemen who listen to, um, if you're listening, please follow the links below. They're still making Dysphoria, their most current film. They would still love, they're not going to say this, but I'm going to, support for the other two films they've already made. Um, and if you have people at your church, even a small group, a women's group, that would be willing to watch them with you. They are not shock jock. I don't like shock jock. They are very informative. Again, like I said, in the beginning, I love that they weren't condescending and they, they follow scripture, but they also just expose the truth of an agenda that so many people don't know their kids are being fed every single day. I know they are because I I saw it start to happen in my kids' lives and, and God just had me pull my kids out. But at the same time, I think so many of us when it comes to our kids, ignorance isn't bliss. We are losing a generation from Christianity, from from morality, from even healthy minds. They're being they're being drugged along and they're being shoved off a cliff. And we have to wake up and and know why that is. And and Mark and Amber, you've done such a beautiful job of just saying, putting a mirror in front of culture and saying, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. we've got to step in and intervene because I'm sorry, we're going to be judged someday for what we did with our time on earth.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't
0: have to, I get it. Mm-hmm. We don't all have to run for Congress, but by golly, walk to your school board meeting and and make a stand because I guarantee you other parents don't know. Yeah. Either. So we need to be that boy. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining me. I know yeah. we will stay in touch. And I, and please, if you don't mind yeah. when your other movie's done, I would love to have you back again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Charity, thank you. and and your listening audience. <laughs> I know. Well, and it was interesting just while you were talking there, and I I'm pretty sure that it's um, um, Matthew five sixteen or Mark five sixteen. You know, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's that's our ministry.
0: Absolutely, that's, that's what we do. And- yeah. And, and kudos for using your gifts and staying sane and married and using your gifts. Yeah. That is the I don't know about the sane
2: the part, but we are married.
0: Well, I, I love that you can laugh together though. Like that's such a healthy, just like you know, when you're able to just go, we need to go have ice cream and laugh because it's been a day. It's been a day yeah. and we're not going to, we're not going to blame each other. We're just going to pray and we're going to, laugh and in in the fall just maybe take a walk but thank you again and again as always everything's below listeners and we will we will see you again soon thanks